the best of times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, ladies listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. Also, thank you those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also, thank you those who might be listening via the Radio Pup app application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the latest in hip and knee treatments, including surgical procedures. So stay tuned to this show for some very beneficial information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday, December the 23rd, and we are broadcasting our radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be on able to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Best wishes to you and your family for a wonderful upcoming Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We hope that you'll have that great celebration and of, of wonderful food and gifts and song and merriment uh, and that uh, family and friends will join in with you to have a wonderful and blessed Christmas Day. Be sure to pick up our December issue at at some of our 522 distribution locations. Our January issue will come out on January the 3rd. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues, as well as to listen to previously recorded radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. Do visit our website for announcements made during this radio show as well as upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A-Bears, Tenning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenning Country, a Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas, so thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Chase Lebrano, who is an orthopedic specialist specializing in total joint replacement of the knee and hip, and he's here to discuss the latest treatments and procedures. Thank you, Doctor, for joining us today. Sure, no problem. I enjoy it. I've known Dr. Chase. Yeah, I've called him Chase for many years. Uh, you you practiced... When were you at LSU? 1911? 2011? Uh, 1911. I, That's I, a long time ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I graduated in uh, 2010. Uh, and then did my residency here. Uh, in Shreveport. Shreveport. That's and right. And I left and did my fellowship in Illinois for a year, and now I am back. 
and we're we're glad that you're back. Oh yes, sir. And uh, it was it's a wonderful situation when you used to come over with all your medical school medical staff people yeah. over at our house with Jason and all the other gang, and all of you are now more mature and all medical doctors <laughs> and treating millions of patients throughout the world. And you got your start here at LSU Med. Yes, sir. And sure did. and you've uh, you've you're a fine young man back then. You were so professional. Oh well, thank and, you. Um, and you and your your lovely wife, and now you have two little children, right? Yes, yes. She is um, an ER physician at LSU, signed back with LSU. And I have a five-year-old girl and a six-month-old son. Six-month-old, a little, little boy. You're ready. I'm sure he's going to be pumping our like you're going to be pumping. You have that gym oh, ready for him. Yeah, he's a big one. Re- ready for yeah. it? Ready for it, Chase? Oh, yes, sir. Well, glad to have you today because I, I felt that we need to educate our listeners about hip and knee. You know, Chase, I've, I've seen a lot of individuals. I mean, I don't know why it is, but they come up to me and they say, I just had a I just had a knee replacement or I just had a hip replacement and and I'm going off the tangent here. Um it's it's remarkable that the latest greatest medical technology and your medical skills and and yours and others are letting them have so little recuperating time. They're out there walking and talking and moving about days after surgery. Oh yes, it's amazing actually. Uh, so if you look at the history behind it, typically, I mean, I'd probably say 20 years ago, whenever you'd have a total hip or a total knee, you were in bed in the hospital. It'd be a week long course. Oh, longer than that. And now you can have a total knee replacement and. And I would say 80 to 90 percent of patients go home the next day. Wow, that's yeah. remarkable. That's surgical skills, technology, medical technology, the apparatus. I mean, I was telling one physician uh, recently that about my hernia repair, like I don't know how many years ago it was, but you know, I stayed seven days in the hospital at Chumpert for hernia repair. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was seven days recuperating time, and yeah. I left at seventh day. And I was still was painful. I mean, oh yes, sir. And then yes, I had sir. my second one many many years later, and I walked out. I mean, it was like, wow, this is like cool. Yeah, it's not only the advances in orthopedics, but also, I mean, advances in all the medical professions. You know, anesthesia has gained uh, a lot as well because now their perioperative and postoperative pain control has allowed us to do this. You know, with their blocks and different things like that and the pain medication we get beforehand and afterwards, uh, we have a lot better control of the pain. And you don't have to to, to get the the anesthesia to knock them out completely. It takes some days to get back into running, right? Yeah, a lot of uh, the joints are done under spinal now, so that, uh, the patients don't require an a, uh, endotracheal tube or a tube to go down their throat um, so that they can uh, recuperate faster. Okay, between you and me, though, when those patients are <laughs> that type, they're chatting with you, which I had a quasi-procedure like that. That's a that's a difficult thing. Gary talks too much, and I think the physician told me, well, let's talk later. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them, don't get me wrong, they uh, they are under anesthesia, and so they're usually not awake during it. They're a little twilight. Though. But um, uh, So they're not necessarily talking, but uh, it, it's much better post-operatively with the spinal because yeah, yeah. they can wake up and get going right off the back. As my patients, uh, I would require them to start walking uh, the day of surgery that afternoon, awesome. actually. And I did a lady yesterday, uh, bilateral knees, and she was up and walking this a- uh, that afternoon. Wow. So. That's a success story. That mm-hmm. is really amazing. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you 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 went to medical school, then you did residency, but also you did a fellowship, which is really, really critically important for a physician like you and others to get fellowship, get that specialized training, right? Yes, sir. So explain that a little bit to us. Uh, I would probably say that in orthopedics, maybe 80 to 90% of... Um, 
guys when they get out of their residency go into a, a subspecialty. So everything is getting subspecialized, and it really is amazing uh, that uh, generally uh, most of the time when people used to get out, they had to know everything. They would do mm-hmm. everything, and you still do. You have to know your general orthopedics, but now you go and you subspecialize into doing one certain thing, you know, whether it be hip and knee replacement, whether it be sports medicine or upper extremity specialist or foot and ankle specialist. Um, so you get really tuned into that one that one specific thing. So I'll let you give a plug. So who do you practice with now? Is your practice? Uh, I practice with orthopedic specialists in Louisiana. And you have um, loca- locations, I know, in Shreveport and Bossier City, right? Yes, my main office is in Bossier. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I, I saw your name on the marquee up there. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The most attention <laughs> I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, most of my time spent there, but I also have a clinic in uh, on Line Avenue at the, at the main facility. So where is the surgeries done? Where is your surgeries procedure? are done at the uh, 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 the specialist hospital of Shreveport, which is on Line Avenue. Right. And um, we see, you know, I see patients both in, like I said, in Shreveport and Bossier, and uh, they're also done, uh, operate there online, but I also operate at uh, Willis-Knight and Bossier as well. So so orthopedic doctors, as you, don't just do surgery. They also prescribe other pr- procedures and techniques, and we're going to talk about a little bit about hip and knee. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, typically when I'm seeing somebody, you always want to start with conservative measures first. So you start with your anti-inflammatories, you know, whether it be over the, over-the-counter Aleve or ibuprofen, and um, start with that. Uh, but a lot of times uh, you kind of progress on because you don't want to, a lot of times you don't want to initially jump to surgery. People can get released through injections and things of that sort. So typically you'll start with steroid injections into the knee uh, or even the hip. And um, also um, a lot of people call it rooster comb mm-hmm. injections. Right. Uh, Everybody's heard of that one. Yes, yeah, very yeah. popular. Mm-hmm. And they're called uh, visco supplementation is kind of the, one of the technical terms. And that's another way to, or another concern method. It's an injection that you can get. It can sometimes buy you some time. And, so you, you know, and it works or doesn't work, depending on the individual, the circumstances, and yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say it right, the quality of the Brustacone? Is there certain quality well, levels? Is I think they're all, the kind of, they're all the same. So now there's multiple different brand names you can use, but uh, typically I tell patients when they ask me that, um, it's a crystal ball question. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Some people it works really well for, and some people it doesn't. And I can tell you that some people, if they have really advanced arthritis, I can generally tell them that this this may help you, and it's good if it does, and we can continue to do this, but likely, you know, it, it may not help as much, um, but we'll talk about it after, you know, after we Well, that's like in any there. injection, Dr. Chase, that uh, people tell me, well, I got the flu after I got the flu shot. You know, sometimes it, you, there are yeah. factors involved that that's not oh, going to protect yeah, you. Yeah, we can't make it, you know, we can't do it like the good Lord can, so we just do our <laughs> best, you know. So. Well, okay, so... Have you seen an incident rate, increase rate in, in, let's say, your practice and then the practice of increase of hip and knee? Has there been a lot more surgeries, let's say, in prior, prior years? I think it has been in uh, prior years because previously, and when I say prior, I'm talking, you know, maybe 20 years ago, um, the, you know, the quality of the implants and everything, the longevity wasn't as good. So now, uh, with all the uh, advances that they made, the longevity of the implants is much longer, and people are getting uh, total joint replacements at a younger age, um, which is giving them a new lease on life, because I would probably say that typically maybe 20 to 30 years ago, if you had a bad knee or something, you know, they would say, hey, we got to just hold out and wait until you get to X amount of age so that we can get you get you further along with the implant but now they can do them at a younger age and people do well and and i mean the reason i to- i chose uh total joints was because um 
generally it's it's you really do give a new lease on life to people. Oh, you well, know, if, they, if they're debilitated and they can't get around with a hip or a knee and they have trouble with it, um, being able to replace that and give them you know just a new lease on life is unbelievable. So look, look I'm, you know, this show deals with seniors and boomers and mature, but what about children that might have uh, traumatic injury to their knees or their hips? Don't their bones, depending on their age, increase? So you have to do procedures later on. There will if they have uh, intraarticular fractures or things of this nature. Um, you try to fix it as best you mm-hmm. can, and uh, their growth plates are still open. So kids have unbelievable potential to remodel and heal. Um, but a lot of times you can get post-traumatic arthritis, you know, whether it be of the hip or or of the knee, and uh, that's something that you definitely have to you know address. But you want to get by them as much time as they can. Especially okay. One other person uh, saw that you're on my show. I wanted me to ask you a question. They're all here about this stem cell. Uh, are, is technology and scientists at orthopedics group throughout the world, are they looking at stem cells to help? They are, and they do. Um, some, pe- some people do uh, use uh, stem cell injections. Um, to replace I, the cartilage or replace the whatever. Yeah. What's, the, what's the top of the knee called? The, uh, oh, patellofemoral joint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I haven't used it yet. Uh, I haven't had the patient yet that they come in, but a lot of times if you have a young patient okay. who you're trying to conserve and trying to try and treat them conservatively and give them the, mm-hmm. the largest amount of time. So it is you, available uh, already? You can, mm-hmm. Wow. Some you don't hear too much about it. I just, I'm just, somebody asked me to, to ask you, is that available? I'd, I'd said, you know, I don't think so. You don't hear too much, of, you don't hear too yeah. much about that particular thing. Yeah, but, but you have to be a candidate like yeah, everything you have to be else. Yeah, a candidate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like, like all the other the aspects involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you've come back here to report, and we're happy to have you here in the area. And you're doing your full fledged, doing lots of procedures. Oh yes, sir. More more hip than knee. Uh, it depends on what you're delegated to. Yeah, I've been doing more knees than hips, okay. but uh, but. Less I'm complex, right? Yeah. right? Less complex. Oh, every, every joint is complex, <laughs> and every <laughs> person easy about it. And yeah. every person is different as well, right? Oh, yes, sir. So, how much pain should a person have or discomfort before making an appointment? So, I see a doctor. Let's well, see. if they have any issues, they can come in and see. You know, I, I, I see everybody. You know, it, it doesn't matter as far as when that. But as far as choosing a joint replacement, I typically will tell my patients that when you're near your hip or bothering you enough. To interfere with your activities of daily living, you have trouble putting on your shoes. You have trouble going out and doing the things that you want to do. Um, this is something that uh, that would, that's an indication to have a joint replacement. You know, um, when your hip gets bad enough, you can't put on your own shoes. Like a lot of many of my patients, they can't reach to put on their own shoes because their hips won't let them do it. Um, they have pain all the time, startup pain in the mornings. You're stiff. You have trouble getting going. Uh, you feel a little bit better once you get going, and then at the end of the day, it's hurting you again. Um, you're using anti-inflammatory. They're just not working. Uh, you know, these are all indications that, that that maybe you've progressed to the point that you may be a candidate for a total joint replacement. And and Chase, in addition, you got to think about it. You don't want to have a hip fracture. That could be more serious. You, you fracture yeah. the hip and you call that error. You want to catch it before that happens, right? Yeah. Well, the hip fracture is a little bit different because hip fractures. You can have a fragility type fracture. So uh, many patients who are osteoporotic or things like that, um, they may fall and then they'll subsequently get a hip fracture and then they may be treated after that with either a hemiarthroplasty or a total hip replacement. But um, in that indication, you may want to get a hip replacement before you know before that. But a lot of times for the hip fractures, 
you can't tell, you know, that's just something like a slip and fall. Uh, um, but I do tell my patients that are a little bit older when they're coming in to see me, I stress, you know, being active, um, doing certain exercises, going to the YMCA, going to these things, strengthening your hip muscles, um, because this helps in balance. And if at all possible, we want to prevent any type of hip fractures. We want to prevent that. Okay, that's I an wanna, interesting comment. I want to decreasing the amount of muscle around your hip. Around no, your no, 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 strengthening. Strengthening, strengthening, not, yeah. not, not reducing the... Yeah, you want to strengthen your, 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 your hip abductors and all your musculature, and it helps with your balance. You know, these things like uh, the water aerobics, mm-hmm. those are low impact on the joint. Um, and I have handouts I give my patients to the YMCA. Right. They're low impact on the joints, so they're not going to hurt arthritis as much. And it's, you know, it's a cardiovascular benefit. It's got everything. You know, it's it's an, it's an aerobic workout, and it helps strengthen all your uh, muscles and so helps strengthen, your not decrease. Uh, maybe I misunderstood. Oh, yeah. I thought it was decreasing the muscle content, making oh, no, it no, make no, a little thinner, no, make have thinner, thinner yeah. thighs there, <laughs> which some of the women do want. Might have thinner yeah. thighs, right? Yeah. Right, right. We'll be right back with more information, but. Now, word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country at Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a special guest, Dr. Chase Lebrano, an orthopedic specialist in total joint replacement of the knee and hip, and he's discussing the latest treatment and procedures. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today. Sure. I also wanted to say one thing. Sure. I know you go by Chase, but I found out your name is really Charles. Yes. So yeah. the story behind that, I don't mean to get off subject. <laughs> it's all right. I like that, stories. Uh, no, is that, um, so before I was born, I have two older brothers. I'm the baby. And um, my parents had decided to let my brothers name me. Uh-huh. Well, they picked out Chase. And right before I was born, my grandfather passed. And so my dad said, you know, I really want to name him after my grandfather. My? Or after his dad. Yeah. So um, my mom said... That's fine. On paper, you can name him whatever you want, but our boys are going to call him whatever they want. So oh. my name has been Charles since I was born, but I've been called Chase ever since I was born. So. Good story. Yeah, so my fun. grandfather was Charles, and I saw mm-hmm. that. I, I don't know where I saw that. It's some document that you sent me. Mm-hmm. It must have been your CV or something. I got that. Yes, was, sir. Wow. Mm-hmm. Never knew that rest of the story. I like these rest of the stories here on The Best of Times. Oh, yes. We've yes, learned, a, a, learned a lot of interesting from people in the area, the rest of the story. So, oh, yes, sir. So I'm going to call you Charles. I'll call you Chase, but I thought mm-hmm. that was very inspiring. I said, he must be a grandfather, a great-grandfather these days. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was named after my grandfather. Oh. Okay. So tell mom and dad that I mentioned that on the air here. I will. I will let them tell, know. Tell them. <laughs> they can listen to it, by the way. Okay. So going back to the, to the subject at hand, do you need a referral to see you? If, if Let's say I'm having discomfort in my, in my knee. Do I need uh, a direct referral? Typically, uh, depending on, I know that uh, if you have TRICARE, yes, uh, you need a referral. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, with Medicare, I believe you can call and get an appointment. Uh, sometimes, and I don't want to misspeak. Sometimes, my my there's so many it's so hard for me to keep track of like all of that, especially since I'm getting started to keep track of all the uh, different things. So I don't want to misspeak and tell just you. Just contact you know, your office. Yeah, right? Contact my office, and um, I'm more than happy to fit anybody in. 
Okay. Um, another thing is people might have gone and seen uh, a primary care physician or some other physician in the area, but the, the physician said, well, you need to go get you know, another consult, another opinion. Uh, if they've already got their MRI, x-rays, CAT scans, all that, does your clinic generally accept those? Yeah, we usually will upload them to our system. I'll have them bring it, bring it in on a disc. And we will upload it to our system. I'll take a look at it through, uh, you know, what they already have. Um, but a lot of times, the, there are certain specific X-rays that I, re- you know, that I like to have, like standing films and things like that, um, which generally, not a, you know, your general practice doc may not order those, and so I may have to get those. But those are just X-rays, plain, plain X-rays. But if there's an MRI or something that they come in with, I just take a look at what they already have. Okay. What are what are the other tests that you do when, when they come in to determine if they need a, a total hip or a total knee replacement? So with uh, a total hip, it is generally um, a uh, standing uh, AP of the pelvis as well as a frog leg lateral of the uh, hip, which are basically just views of the hip while mm-hmm. they're standing. The same thing with the knees. I get uh, three to four views of them standing on their knees so that you can actually see. Because one misconception is if you take an x-ray and I have you laying on the table, you may not look like you have arthritis with your knee, but I have you stand up. Okay. And when gravity takes effect, then you can see that you've worn down, you know, that you've worn down, you do have arthritis of your knee. So that's one little, you know, trick that not, not everybody, um, at least a lot of general practice guys uh, may not may not order the standing films. And typically if they are seeing a patient for, they want to rule out a fracture necessarily, not arthritis. True. So that's the reason why it doesn't matter if they're standing or, or sitting for that. But, um, yeah, those are just basic films typically uh, just to start off with. So we talked about conservative medicine. So, of course, when they come see you, you may not, they may say, well, doc, I think I need surgery. But but they've never had any type of treatment. So what are the new latest treatment options other than we're going to talk about surgery later for, for let's say, the knee? So I, I will typically start patients on anti-inflammatories, which we started, talked about earlier. Um, and um, there's also some topical creams that I use because oh. now I have a topical anti-inflammatory that you can use. And we'll try those uh, as well as a, a steroid injection. You know? So the topical cream, it doesn't solve the situation. Let's say you have a meniscus <clears throat> problem and you have a, the, what do you call it, the... the I'm don't, don't, I'm thinking yeah. technical. There's no cartilage in there. There's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's running bone to bone. Yeah, so it's so, not going to help that, so is yeah, it? Yeah. So these 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 conservative measures don't fix arthritis. Okay. I, I can't reverse arthritis once you know once Mother Nature's got a hold of you and takes takes that path. All we can do is give you a little bit of pain relief and help with that until the time comes that it's severe enough that you do want a, a total knee or a total hip replacement. So our body cannot regenerate that particular tissue or cartilage or whatever it's called there that is not not like it was with you know not like it was before <laughs> wow once you have arthritis it's it's kind of like you just want to hold off until it gets to the point where it's bugging you enough that you want to have it fixed you know want to have it replaced okay so we use we try the creams to get to some of the relief we did mm-hmm. the Aleve we get the Advil the other and so then what else can be done but we do injections the steroid okay. injection is usually what we start with uh, and then we and that just decreases the inflammation inside the joint kind of calms down the storm because what happens is I see a lot of patients that come in and they will have a flare up of their arthritis in other words an arthritis is something that kind of takes place and it'll advance over time mm-hmm. but they may do something they may turn wrong, they may twist wrong, they may flare up their arthritis. So the steroid injection will calm that down, help okay. them get over that bump, and uh, so then they can get on with their with their life. 
Um, there's also the rooster comb injections. And is the rooster comb like a gel? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, like it's like jelly. You know, uh, it's basically what I tell patients is like WD-40. Okay. You know, into the knee you're injecting. So it's supposed to mimic your own synovial fluid and lubricate the joint. Um, okay, so. quick tangent question sure. here. So how does it know to stay there and not move throughout your body? Oh, well, because I'm injecting it directly into the knee. And since it's so viscous and, and, and it the way stay, it is, like, it it like stays, there? Yeah, it stays in the okay. knee. Okay, I mean, that's maybe a stupid question, but no, I, no, I could understand like why if you just injected it, it would just keep moving yeah. and going, you know, going to my feet or something. So an interesting fact on that actually is um, a lot of people, the most common arthritis is medial-sided joint arthritis. Okay, um, what does that mean? On the inside of the knee is in, where you... Inside? Yeah. So people will get what I call, you know, I, I tell them, did you not notice you're getting bow-legged? Because people will oh, notice okay. that they get bow-legged over time. And that's part of the arthritis. Um, but when I give injections, I usually give injections to the outside of the knee, and they always ask, well, is that going to get to the inside? Because my pain is over here uh -huh. over there. And I have to explain to them that, you know, it goes all throughout the knee. Like whenever I, whenever I give an injection into the capsule, the knee capsule or the joint, it floats all throughout the joint, you know, so it gets everywhere. Well, I've got a great question then answered. It wasn't even on the script here. No, no so I like that. I like that all the time. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great analogy. So how long is this rooster cone solution? My, my father-in-law had it for years, and I, I could recall it was it was so variable. Yeah. Uh, some people it works better for than others. And like so many months, weeks. Yeah. So I do not. Yeah, I don't uh -huh. have a specific answer on that one. Uh, each person is different, and so I can tell you. Does it matter how much you exercise, move around, walk? It's, it's got to be dependent on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's more dependent on. A lot of times, I think it's more dependent on how severe your arthritis is. Oh, how severe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you have really, really bad arthritis, we try it, and it may give you some relief, but probably not going to last very long. So if you have some. Some protection or some, it's not completely bone on bone that this yeah. will, will this will leave. If you have some, it, it, will it help not deteriorate the other part that's that's causing? Will it slow it down? Uh, it won't. It won't slow it down really. It'll just give you some relief. But interesting that you're bringing this up because another thing that I get asked a lot and I explain to my patients a lot is that they'll see their primary care physician and their primary care physician may have um, ordered an MRI or something of their knee um, and they have arthritis. So they come and see me. Well, they, the MRI will be read. They'll have like a tear of their meniscus and a meniscus okay. is like a, I tell patients, it's like a rubber gasket inside the knee. It's a buffer. But what I have to explain to them is that if you have bad enough arthritis, as you reach that point where you get bone on bone, you're going to have a tear of the meniscus because there's oh. just no there's no lubrication and so that goes with arthritis and the answer may not be a big meniscal repair it may be a joint replacement you know oh. which, uh, that's something to take into consideration so the meniscal repair is not a it's a possibility but probably not right? yeah, yeah it's, it's, ca it's caused by something yeah it's, it's called yeah your meniscal tear would be caused by arthritis instead of a young person who had a meniscal tear which is by you know a trauma or something like that and you have to fix it usually when when you get a little bit older and you start to get arthritis, you have that meniscal tear, and likely you just need a debridement if it's mechanical symptoms or catching. Hmm. But um, if it's arthritis symptoms, then you get a knee replacement. So debridement means to go in and scraping? Yes, you just clean out that meniscus that's torn. Oh, okay. How often is that done? A lot? Yes. Yeah, I do that often. If they have mechanical symptoms or catching or buckling of their knee, 
Um, but I explained to the patient beforehand that the scope, because you do that through a scope with two little, you do it with the camera and you do two little things, that that won't fix arthritis. Oh. It will not fix arthritis. It may advance your arthritis, actually, but it'll get rid of the catching and buckling of your knee. Okay, so the catching, okay, now yeah. I'll see what you're saying. Now. Yeah. So, after all these particular items, after many months, possibly years, then we need to schedule, so we, we need to do a, a, a surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's the what's the criteria for surgery? Is there a criteria? So, do, do I need? Does a person need to lose a lot of weight before they have this surgery? Or so I they? tell patients that over the past five to ten years, there's been a lot of literature on um, on weight, especially BMI and perioperative complications. And so it used to be that 20 years ago you could put, you know, we would do joints in everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, what they found with with all the studies and everything is that um, as your BMI gets over 40, that you start to have a lot of perioperative complications, uh, meaning joint infection, um, loosening, early loosening of the components. Loosening being what? Meaning that the components don't stay where they are and they kind of loosen early and need revi- revision or have to redo the surgery sooner than than, than anticipated. Uh, so, with all these things, we like to, it's like I explained to people, like, you want to go into having a joint, like, you want to be ready for a fight, like, you're a championship <laughs> fighter, and you're going in, so, you want to you get ready, and we want to have you get your best peak whenever you go in, because you're going to do best if, you, if, you, if you're ready beforehand. So, we like to keep the BMI of uh, 40 or, or below is what we like to do, um, and, we, you know, get everything prepared, have them all preoperatively, you know, teed up, or is the term, you know, which means that they have all their diabetes under control. If they have diabetes, they have their hemoglobin A1C of 7 or below. Um, their sugars are under control. That's so you and your nurses and staff will determine all that to make sure, and you will indicate that. Yeah, and we talk to their primary care that's, physician. That's critical. And that, yeah. that's why a lot of these tests are done. I want to explain to my listeners. That's why they you just don't go walk in he's, and you, Dr. Chase oh, is going to yeah. do the procedure. You've got to yeah. make sure every, everything else is there. Yeah. That, I, and I don't have complications. Like involved. every other physician, I took an oath that said do no harm first. And so last thing I did, I want to do is, is hurt somebody, and so I want to make sure that they're doing their best and that they're going to have the best outcome as well. So that's the way I look at it. And the last factor about somebody going into surgery, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about other components, but I want you to emphasize. I'm amazed, um, Chase, when I, I visited. A lot of people see me out and about in senior events and whatnot, and I happened to, and I had a physician on my show uh, several months ago, and I told him this story, and he was like astounded that you know this individual would do it. Is is smoking? There, there, there's so many people out there, and even mature people are smoking, and then they're going to go have surgery the next day. So I, I told this one individual uh, that he was going to get ready. He was actually going to have hip surgery, and uh, I said, "Sir, you know, I know that you love to smoke. You told me that you smoke three packs a day, and you've been doing that for thirty years. But you know, you might you might have a better outcome if you you're having your procedure on the Monday. I saw him on Saturday. I said, "You might want to." Curtail. I said, well, my physician didn't tell me to do that. I said, well, I'm just scary. You might want to call his office and mention that. Did you tell him you're smoking? Well, I think he knows. Uh, well, let's hope he knows. But yeah. the, the other thing is, I, I think you need to emphasize to the to listeners out there, you you have to tell your physician. He's your friend. He's your everything about what you're doing, what you're taking, medicines, oh, and, yeah. and your condition. This individual, uh, true story, uh, didn't tell his physician that he was on CPAP. <laughs> And 
until, and I had a call from the physician thanking me for getting the family and him to tell it. It was, it was a very interesting story, true story. Yeah. Didn't think, he thought, doctors know everything. They should have known I was on that, but that's yeah. not your prim- primary doctor. So yeah. I was, I was, you know, mentioning it to you, it, that you it's think. important yeah. to consider stopping smoke, at least in your number. Oh, yeah, stop smoking. For, yeah, yeah, smoking's bad in general. And tell the physician and staff when they do their history and physical, everything about what you're doing. Yeah. Now, past history, it's important, right? Yeah, it's very, very important. I, I think we'll continue the subject. We, we've got to go to break right now, but we'll okay. be right back. We'll be right back with more information. But now, we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by Aber, Southern Country Rest Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Jerry's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Chase Lebrano, who is an orthopedic specialist specializing in total joint replacement of the knee and hip. And he's been discussing the latest treatment and procedures for such. So thank you, Chase, for joining us today. Uh oh. So, we're glad to have you today. We've been talking about before surgery, and I think it's critical for individuals, and you can correct me, uh, that they need to be having all ever their act together before they have their surgery so they have a better outcome. Yeah. They, they don't want to stay in there two weeks and with complications. Yeah, like I say, it's uh, getting them in fighting shape. So if they have diabetes, you want to make sure the diabetes is under control. Their if they blood have pressure. weight issues, you want to make sure the weight issues are under control. If they have blood pressure, their blood pressure needs to be under control. If they're on a CPAP, right. they need, they need, we need to know about these things ahead of time. Uh, if they're smoking or using nicotine, we need to know about these because that can inhibit wound healing. That can inhibit, you know, your overall outcome. So all these things need to be And medications before. that they're taking. Yes. Right? Even the over-counter the stuff. You know, over-counter stuff does have an effect. And so we need to know about these because some of those over-the-counter things the FDA does not monitor and so they can have things that can, you know, increase their bleeding times and stuff like that that we need to be aware of. You know, and, and, and also tell them that it affects the amount of anesthesia that they might need or don't need, right? Yes. Yeah. And, the, and some of these procedures are going to be under some sort of anesthesia. Yeah. And typically a total knee or a total hip, you know, generally speaking, an hour to, you know, two hours, something like that. If it's complex, it may go more than that. Um, but these are the surgical times. Uh, now, that's surgical time. They still have anesthesia and everything added on to that. So that may uh, um, increase uh, the timing a little bit. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, that's kind of... And some guys are a little bit short. This is a general. Time. Yeah, you know, some guys are shorter, some guys are longer. It's just the way it goes. So, so uh, I don't want to do the negative, but what's the possible complications whenever you do a, a knee or, or, or uh, a hip? So complications usually you have you know one percent, three percent complications. Oh, I always tell good. people complications include you know verb, nerve vessel damage, need for further surgery, possible risk of infection. Um, uh, possible risk, like I said, for revision or another another surgery. Um, uh, wound 
complications or woundy hissings, these are all these are all issues, you know, that that can come into come into play. And sometimes but you don't you, you don't know all the aspects of what you're opening up there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes when you know, as as you say, a physician, a surgeon, you open up there, whoop, yep. maybe the scans didn't show everything we needed to see. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes but, you can open up a bag of worms. But but you know, but there you are, the professional, knowing mm-hmm. have you probably seen this somewhere before? Oh yes, sir. As, as yes, my sir. son was saying, you somebody's been there, done that, right? Yep. Yes, so sir. I def, definitely uh, handle that situation. Uh, so what are my options? Uh, uh, boy, that that's a, probably a complex question. What if I want to do a, a, a total knee? So if you're doing a total knee, uh, they're mainly you know you can have. It's actually grown over the over the years. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you can have a uni, what people will call unicompartmental arthroplasty, arthroplasty, which means that if you have, if you're a candidate and you're, and you know, it applies to you. If you have arthritis isolated to one compartment of the knee, most common, the inside of the knee or the medial aspect, then you may be a candidate for a unicompartmental knee replacement, oh. which means that you only replace that one part of the knee because the knee is thought of with three compartments. You have your patellofemoral joint, your medial compartment your lateral compartment. So one of those can be replaced. Yes. Wow. And most commonly it's the medial side. Um, then you can have a total knee replacement that you know about. And uh, you can have, and, and generally the knee replacements are all done with the same approach, surgical approach, you know. Um, when you start talking about a hip replacement is when you start talking about the multitude of different approaches. And, so, uh, so, Chase, these particular replacements, they last forever? They're titanium? They're certain kind uh, of plastics? They last, no? I think, you know, the... the Last literature I was reading was saying that, you know, there's probably a greater 90% survival rate of 20 years, you know? 20 years is uh, a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But having to be replaced, so what happens after that? Oh, then you would, you know, you'd see a, one of our specialists for a revision, you know, and whether it means the plastic needs to be changed or sometimes the pieces can loosen over time, your actual implant. Oh. And those need to be revised, and you can have a revision surgery and have those revised. Okay, so that is more high-tech to go back in there and re- revise it. I never, mm-hmm. I never know that. That uh, I've never heard, probably I never asked, an individual to have a revision of their, their oh, yeah. knee replacement, any partial replacement. So same thing with the hip? Yes, sir. Yeah, the, the hip is the same thing. The hip is a the, a total hip is a good surgery, and uh, a lot of times you'll see people advertising different you know approaches and things like that. And that's the, each surgeon is, is different in their approach to, to how they're going to put it in. But overall, generally speaking, a total hip replacement is an excellent surgery. It is an excellent surgery, and people do well. Um, so whether you know they're doing an anterior approach or a direct superior approach or a posterior approach or a lateral approach, uh, the surgery itself is a good surgery, and 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 the people the total hip is, is a good it's a good surgery, and they do well. Post-time. So does do most people have to spend a night or nights? Yeah, yeah. So typically, um, like I said, with the knees, it's kind of the same thing with the hip. Uh, they you know eighty to ninety percent of patients go home the next day. And you told us. Um, earlier that one of your requirements is you get that patient up as soon as possible to begin walking and yep. moving. Yes, they sir. don't need to be isolated in the bed for days. No, they do not. No, they do not. And a lot of, uh, back then, whenever people would stay, they found that when people would stay in bed long periods of time, they had a lot of issues with clots and things, you know, and that's where oh. the blood thinners came right. in. And so now, if you don't have a history of clots, you get just aspirin, typically, after, you know, mm-hmm. after surgery. Um, there could be things that can 
lead us to give you something else if you do have a history of something. But um, as long as you're up and moving, that's the best prevention for. Okay, you know. then you as a physician prescribe possible continued physical therapy outpatient or by home care. Yes, sir. That continues on those several weeks. Exactly, continues on for you know months, two months after. I typically yeah. tell people eight to twelve weeks postoperatively is when you'll be getting you know back to what you were doing. And it's generally covered by insurance. It's definitely covered by Medicare. But express the importance of that. You don't say I don't need it. Everybody yeah. needs it, right? Yeah, after yeah, certain, yeah. certain surgery, everybody needs it. Oh, yeah. you can't do your own physical therapy yourself. Yeah, exactly. Correctly. Yes, yes. And a lot of times I will tell people though, you have to do, you go to physical therapy. They're a good push. They're a good coach. But they also give you guidance on what you should be doing at home. Okay. You know, so some home, it's like home the room. teacher shaking her finger, like you need to be doing this. Or and they're going to give you the instruction of what the proper exercise, the proper exactly. techniques, the proper walking techniques, and not yes, to sir. strain that particular area. Yeah, right. I've been there, done that. Oh, yeah. uh, so <laughs> I can understand that particular scenario. Yes, sir. But but, uh, but the, the other situation. So, do any of your patients, is it advisable not to have a cane or a walker, especially after a hip? Do they not? No, they, I tell them to use it because, first off, it's safety for them. It gives them something to hold on to. It makes them feel more secure um, just because I don't want them to fall. True. And then as they do better and they feel like they're getting better, then they can kind of slowly, you know, move from, you know, walker to So they don't want to be dependent on it, but it's good safety initially, oh, yeah. especially if they've only been two days post-op, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's something to, to be a little bit of protection. In and a lot of patients will just carry it in. They'll, like, literally walk in, carry in their walker. They won't even be using it, you know, they'll just carry it in. Like, well, I brought this thing because you told me that, you know, it's like, well, at that point, okay, you can, you know, do without it. But, but I, I, you know, I, I advise, especially the elderly, as more they're feeble and you're doing something mm-hmm. hip and knee that, I mean, that's my Gary Caligas' suggestion, is they might consider using that at least for yeah. a short, short period oh, yeah, of time. Yeah, Don't yeah. you want to have a, after you've had that, you want to have a broken hip. Yes. You don't want to slip still, and fall. Yeah, you can still break around the prosthesis, and that's a whole other that, story. That's, that's a more complicated <laughs> so, so, again, I, w- I will stress the fact that it's not that conservative medicine this stage, and you're one of those conservative medicine physicians, you don't do that immediately upon seeing anyone. You, you evaluate what their oh, yeah. their situation is, and you don't, even regarding the hip or the knee. Yep. I'm getting to know you. You're getting to know me. We've got to build some trust, and I have to see, you know, we've got we to exhaust. Now, granted, if they come to me and they have already used all of their, exhausted all of their conservative measures, well, then, yeah. And then at that point, I would say, you know, because a lot of, some patients will come to me and say, look, I've been doing the injections. My primary care doc has been doing this, been doing that. Well, then, yes, if they've done all that already, then it's time for them. You know, and they're ready for a hip or a knee, then sure. Are there certain candidates that you really cannot, would not be advantageous for them? Can you think of any? Uh, I would probably say those patients that are not, um, you know, preoperatively optimized. You okay. Know, they have way, they have, you know, their, their sugars are way out of control. Um, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. There's yeah, certain times yeah, that yeah. you should delay or not do mm-hmm. that. that. Because you, at that point, if you do the joint and they have problems afterwards, and you know, it just it becomes it becomes a big issue. And I just forgot one other one other question before we uh, close this the break here. Total knee replacement, both knees. Is that common now? People still do it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I've done it. And um, why you would you right, do it both at the same time? Well, if you have the right candidate that's optimized and um, they are that make it they really because I mean that's a big sur- that's a really big surgery, and uh, if they are the right candidate and 
they show enough, you know, zest, they want it done, and they're adamant, you know, and they they, they want to do it. Because the main reason is just saving time. You know, instead of having your knee done in eight weeks or whatever later, having the other one done, and you're taking off all that time from work. Okay. Time is fine. You do, you do one, one set, and then, you know, eight weeks, they're, you know, back versus, you know, prolonging it. If they have well, I've heard products. several people lately having both, what is it called, bi dual uh-huh. knee yeah. amazing I mean I don't think that that hasn't been the, the standard up until just a few years years ago you, that would never be done right yeah well because they you know it's, back then you'd be laid up and you know it's just now you get them up moving and uh, it, they can do well but uh, like I said it's got to be the, it's got to be the right patient and they have to be you know ready to undertake that because that's a big surgery well thank you Dr. Lebrano for joining us today they, if you want more information do call his office in Bossier City at 318-752-7850. Again, that's 318-752-7850. And thank you for joining us today, and good luck to you. Keep in oh, touch. Yes, sir. And, thank uh, you, you very were, much. You were quite educational. I learned a lot. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate I you inviting me on here. I know all my listeners out there, too. Oh, yes, sir. We'll be right back with more information, but now with my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by a bear sending country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your free copy, The Best of Times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Coligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for The Best of Times. This is News Radio 710 Keel. K-E-E-L. Shreveport Bossier.